You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. You know, when we get born again, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, by asking him into our hearts and confessing him as Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. Jesus said he would. And so that's where I want to begin tonight is John 14, 16, out of the Amplified. John 14, 16. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another comforter. Jesus knew he was leaving soon. And he said, I don't want you to be alone. And so I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener, and a standby so that he may remain with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to its heart because it does not see him or know him and recognize him, but you know and recognize him for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. How many of you know the Holy Spirit comes and makes his residence on the inside of us? Aren't you ever so grateful? Jesus said again these things to his disciples because he wanted to reassure them that they would not be left alone, that there was another helper coming, someone who like him could help, but this time that person was moving in here. How many of you know that's even better? Because, you know, uh, like, like if, if pastor was Jesus and he's not, um, but if pastor were Jesus, you know, I'd be with him only so long as I'm with him. Do you understand? They had Jesus only so long as they were in his presence. But the Holy Ghost is with us always. 24-7, 365, how many of you know that's better? Now, to the disciples at the time, I'm sure it didn't seem better because he said, I'm going away. And they were sad about that. But it's better because the third person of the Godhead moved in, lives now right on the inside of us. Many times in Scripture, water is used as a type of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to John 4, 4 out of the Amplified. It says it was necessary for him, Jesus, to go through Samaria. He was trying to get from one place to another, and in order to get there, he had to cut through Samaria. All right? And in doing so, he arrived at a Samaritan town called Sychar, near the tract of land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down to rest by the well. It was then about the sixth hour, about noon. Presently, when a woman of Samaria came along to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone off into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan and a woman, for a drink? How many of you know that's two no-nos right there together? Samaritans were, were mixed-race people, and they were very much looked down on by the Jews. Uh, and so it was unusual for a Jew to even speak to a Samaritan. And it was very unusual for a man to speak to a woman in public, especially one he didn't know. So she's like, you know, okay, dude, what's up? Because I'm both a Samaritan and a woman. What are you talking to me for, basically? Um, for the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans, it says. Jesus answered her, 
If you had only known and had recognized God's gift and who this is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him instead and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, no drawing bucket, and the well is deep. How then can you provide living water? Where do you get your living water? Are you greater than and superior to our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and who used to drink from it himself and his sons and his cattle also? And Jesus answered her, all who drink this, this water will be thirsty again. But whoever takes a drink of the water that I will give him shall never, no, never be thirsty anymore. I tell you, we could stop right there. I don't know how many of you, uh, uh, just before you were born again, you just had a something on the inside of you that no matter what you did, it wasn't filled by anything. Every non-believer ha has that on the inside of them. You know, you can't fill that hole with drugs. You can't fill that hole with money. You can't fill it with relationships. Only Jesus can fill that on the inside of you. I am so grateful for that water that caused me not to thirst again. Glory to God. Satisfies oh everything on the inside of us. Jesus said, but the water that I give him shall become a spring of water, welling up, flowing, bubbling continually within him unto, into, and for eternal life. Jesus was saying to this woman, when you receive me, there's a well of water that begins to spring up on the inside of you. Glory to God. Woo! And it causes you to never thirst again. This well on the inside of you, you can draw from it every day. Listen, how much water you get out depends on how much you draw out. Hey, God's always on go. God's always got that, that water source ready. All you got to do is, is get your bucket down there. Tap into it every day. Oh, listen. God never meant for us to go through life stressed out, uh, you know, pulling our hair on the edge of a nervous breakdown. No, you got a well on the inside of you that constantly springs up, helping you in every scenario, in every situation of life. Living water. Living water. And in this passage, the living water represents the Holy Spirit who indwells you. And the well is salvation. Isaiah 12, 3. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Glory to God. You have a well. Now, once you become born again, you have a well in there. And the Holy Ghost is the water in there. And all you got to do is, is put your bucket down and draw it up. Put that bucket down and draw what you need from him. He's always there and he's always on go. He's waiting on us. How much of God you have is up to you. How much do you want? How many of you know he lets us make that decision? I tell people all the time, you, oh, you need to be careful about dating somebody who's not even going to church right now. Because people got as much of God as they want. And they may come with you and be a little more motivated so long as they're trying to win you. 
They'll come for you. But how many of you know that's not going to be enough in the long run? How much of God do you want? How many of you know if you go through life and use him like a spare tire, he'll let you? I was up in the night last night. I was walking the floor praying. 4.30 or whatever. Crazy time it was. Finally, I was like, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. And he, finally, that's what I heard. Finally. How many of you know my name in high school wasn't double H for nothing? Hard-headed. You know, how many of you know if we think we got something, he's, gonna, he's just going to say, okay. Go on. I'm sure he's thinking knucklehead, but he don't say it. But he said, finally. He's waiting. Tap into him. The Holy Spirit, your advocate, that's your lawyer, your standby, your helper, your teacher, your guide. How many of you know he knows the best and the easiest way through this life for you? He can tell you where to be and where not to be. So grateful for that precious Holy Spirit that rests in here. So grateful that God uh, didn't leave us alone, but he sent the third person of the Godhead to be here for us, to be in us, so we could draw on him when we need him. You ought to need him. You do need him more than sometimes we think we do. I know none of you have ever thought, I got this. John seven thirty seven. Now on the final and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried in a loud voice, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, who cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. But he was speaking here of the spirit whom those who believed, trusted, and had faith in him were afterward to receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified or raised to honor. But he said, the Holy Spirit within you, when you believe in me, he's going to continuously spring up on the inside of you. Glory to God. I don't know how many of you have ever been uh, someplace really hot and found a natural spring. I grew up in Florida, and uh, there was a natural spring that came up out of a cave, and it's hot in Florida. And so we'd go out, you know, and we'd have to hike to it, and we'd be all sweaty and yucky, but I'm telling you, that water bubbling up out of the ground, it was clear and cool, and oh, man, we used to just jump in and be so refreshed. I tell you, you can do the very same thing with the presence of God. He's just waiting there for you to jump in and be refreshed. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit moves in on the inside of you and a well of living water springs up within you that's there to help you and empower you in your Christian walk. But is the Holy Spirit moving in at salvation all the Holy Spirit that's available to us? No. 
There is an experience subsequent to or after salvation that is a huge blessing to us, and that's the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Now listen, there are two separate experiences we are to have. That initial moving in of the Holy Ghost when we get born again and a separate later infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Now by later, I don't mean you have to tarry. Is it only me and Donnie? Are we the only ones who've been around long enough to know what I'm talking about? I mean, people used to think you had to wait a really long time and, you know, to get filled and, you know, you had to come to the altar for weeks and months and sometimes years on end and, and beg the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, how many of you know you ain't got to do that? You don't have to do that. We're going to look at some things that prove that. But you don't have to do that. No, uh, he, he's ready. He's ready when you're ready. You know, my poor grandmother, she didn't know she could just receive by faith. She thought she something had to come on her. She thought something had to happen. Uh, and so she spent her whole life, decades, seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence uh, of uh, speaking in other tongues. She went her whole life, and nobody ever told her she could just receive. My goodness, how blessed are we. How blessed are we to know that you can just, anytime you're ready, ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You can get somebody to lay hands on you, but you don't have to. Matter of fact, later this evening, I'm going to give you that opportunity, but you don't have to have somebody lay hands on you. You can get filled, and he's ready. It's a huge blessing. Salvation is the well which we can drink deeply of the Holy Spirit within us, but there's a subsequent experience. The infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues that comes after. It can be two seconds after, but it's always after salvation. It takes the water or Holy Spirit bubbling within us to a whole nother level where it goes from a personal spring for our benefit to rivers of living water flowing out of us by which other people can be blessed. Rivers of living water. Glory to God. I'm glad for the spring. I'm glad for that well of salvation that's there that I can draw from anytime I want, but I want to go beyond that. I want it coming out of me on every hand. I want those rivers of living water flowing out of me so that I can be a witness for him, so that I can minister for him, so that I can touch people's lives and love on them, so I can be led by the Spirit of God. There's so much more. There's so much more. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that moves in, and he is in there if you're born again. I am not saying he's not. He comes to live on the inside of you. But there is a subsequent experience where he just bubbles up and flows out of you like a river. John 7, 38 said, He who believes in me, who cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. 
But he was speaking here of the Spirit, whom those who believed and trusted had faith in him were afterward to receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given at this point in John, because Jesus was not yet glorified or raised to honor. I tell you, that well springing up is for your personal benefit, but the rivers are going to cause you to be a greater blessing to others. Listen, the rivers will be a greater blessing to you, but it'll also be cause you to be a greater blessing to other people. Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. But I want you to know who gets the new tongues. Those that believe. What comes first? The believing. Then the tongues come. Do you understand? That's what I'm talking about. It's a work subsequent to salvation. It's something uh, subsequent to you believing. All right? All right. Let's move along. The infilling of, uh, of the New Testament believers with the Holy Ghost should be our pattern today. I know of no better way to th do things than what the Bible says. You know, uh, Pastor Mark, he went through, through the book of Acts, and, and, and the Lord had him go through that and do a study years ago about how, how what grew the church because he wanted the church to grow. And every time the church grew, he, tra he said, trace that back and see what caused that. What caused that was an outpouring of God somewhere, God doing something, showing his power through a healing or, or, or doing something, God doing something. The Lord said, back it up another step. What caused that something to happen? It was prayer. The people prayed. God showed up and showed out. Ah, 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 ah. And then the church grew. And Pastor Mark, he said, you know, Lord, I don't know any other way to do this but your way. And he said, Lord, even when we were very small, he said, you know, in the natural, it doesn't look like it's working really fast. But I don't know any way to do it but what you said. And he said, Lord, at the very least, if I come and stand before you and I still have 20 people in my church, I'm going to be able to say I did it the way I saw in your word. There's no better way to do anything than what the word says to do. John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week, this is after Jesus resurrected but before he ascended. He's already come up out of the grave. He's appearing unto his disciples, but he's not yet ascended up into heaven. The same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jew Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Now look, they're hiding out because they're scared. Their leader was just crucified. They don't know what's going to happen to them. So they get in the room, they lock all the doors, they shut all the windows, and Jesus comes right through. I love that. Mm. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands so they could see it was really him. He showed them where the nails went through. And he showed unto them his side where they stabbed him with the spear. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them. Does that remind you of anything? It reminds me of Genesis. 
So let's go back there and look. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now listen, in the rest of creation, God spoke and it became. He said, let there be light, and bang, there was light. He said, and let there be a division between the night and the day, and bang, it was so. And he said, let there be dry ground coming up, and bang, it was so. But he spoke. But when it came to man, the Bible says he formed us of the dust of the ground. God couldn't wait to get his hands on us. He got his hands dirty. He got down there in the dirt and he formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He took the body he formed, picked it up. The Bible says that man became a, a living soul. Man became alive unto God. Listen, I think after the fall and after everything they'd gone through, I think they had to come alive again to God because I think that's the point at which they got born again. Back here, are you listening to me? Back there in uh, where we were just reading. In, uh, I think it was, where were we just reading? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he, the Bible says he breathed on them. John, John 20, 22. It says he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. But we know this is not the point at which they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues because that came later. I think he was restoring the life of God into the earth, into humanity. I think right here is where they got born again. John 20, 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Then a little while later, before he ascended, he gave them instructions about waiting there until they got filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. How many of you know they were born again now? They'd been with Jesus all these years. I'm sure they were raring to go. Thought they had everything they needed. But Jesus said, hang on. Stay here in the city of Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. How many of you know they didn't know exactly what was coming? So it's not that they were uh, tarrying for the Holy Ghost. They didn't know what was coming. Are you with me? This is the only time everybody, anybody ever had to wait to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost because it was being introduced at a certain time, at an appointed time. The scripture says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. This is the experience of Pentecost. There was a certain day that they had a divine appointment with God where, where this was being introduced again, or not again, really introduced for the first time into the earth. So it's not that they had to tarry because they didn't even know what they were waiting on. He just said, y'all hang out. You got an appointment coming. Recently in prayer, the Lord said to us, you've got an appointment coming. Oh, yeah. That made me excited. God's appointments are usually great, great, great things. But they had an appointment on the day of Pentecost that Scripture would be fulfilled, that thus it was so. And so when the day of Pentecost fully came, 
than they were able to receive. Acts 1.4. And being assembled together with them, Jesus, this is as he's about to ascend into heaven. This is some of his final words. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And then on the day of Pentecost, just for time's sake, let's scoot uh, over to chapter 2, verse 1. Acts 2.1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, how many of you know they had an appointment? They had an appointment. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Now let's stop here. I grew up seeing the pictures of the disciples in the upper room with little, a little flame ball on their head. How many of you ever seen the pictures of the little flame ball? But I like pastor's explanation. How many of you know if you were sitting down and, and pastor dropped in your lap? I think it sat on them like that. Do you understand? It was all over them. It was all over them. I don't, I don't think there was a little flame ball. I think he got all over them. He sat on them like mushing them, sat on them. Glory to God. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire, and that fire sat upon each one of them. Glory to God. I mean, you know, they was having church now. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now listen, if we receive the same Holy Ghost they received, we should have the same initial sign they had. The Bible evidence, which is speaking with other tongues. Speaking with tongues is not the Holy Ghost, but it is the evidence of an infilling of the Holy Ghost subsequent to the new birth. Now listen, speaking in other tongues doesn't mean that you learn French in high school. If you sign up for a Spanish language class or get that Rosetta Stone stuff, that don't mean you're speaking in tongues biblically. Now the Bible says when they went out, uh, they went out, they got so full of God. They went smashing out of the upper room into the streets of Jerusalem. And they were all like, they was crazy. People thought they were drunk. They were acting so crazy. And they were speaking in all these different languages. And then the, the people round about, the Bible says they heard them speak in their own language. But how many of you know that's something God just did? The speaker didn't know what they were saying. In other words, the speaker didn't walk by somebody who, uh, you know, was there from Persia and, and, and speak Persian just to talk to them. Are you with me? No, they were praying in an unknown tongue. They didn't have a clue what they were saying. I think that's cool. I've been in some meetings where, where all of a sudden somebody starts praying in the known language of somebody in the room, and they're absolutely clueless as to what they're doing and saying, but the person who hears understands. Oh, my goodness. I've been in several meetings like that. 
We were in Greece, and we were had a prayer meeting with a Greek pastor, and um, Russ was really sick, and Judy Joe was really in there praying because he was really sick. And all of a sudden, as we were praying in the Holy Ghost and we were praying, uh, the Greek minister started freaking out. He started jumping up, yelling stuff. We're like, what in the cat hair? He, he started yelling. It's a good colloquial expression, right? <laughs> he started yelling, she's speaking Greek. She's speaking Greek. Judy Joe, unknowingly, was speaking in tongues, had apparently switched over, was speaking in Greek that she didn't know. But he clearly understood her. I mean, he interrupted the whole prayer meeting. We were actually agitated at him. She said he kept praying, you are the doctor. You are our healer. You are the doctor. In Greek, she doesn't speak Greek. Another time, I went on a missions trip with Rama out to the Navajo Reservation. And one of the guys on our trip was Sioux Indian. He wasn't Navajo. He was Sioux Indian. Well, we had a, a prayer meeting, uh, just the team, and we were walking around the room praying. And, and as she walked by him, the leader of the trip, her tongue changed a little bit. How many of you know it's not always the same? It's a language. And so sometimes you go in and out of stuff. And, and so she was praying, and, uh, she, and her tongue changed a little bit when she walked by him. And he started laughing and fell on the ground. And, and he said later, uh, she started speaking to him in his Sioux dialect and delivered a message to him from God. And she's just walking by praying in the Holy Ghost. How many of you know God is cool? That is cool. So my point is, it's not a known language that you know. If you learn a language, that is not speaking in other tongues like the Bible means. No, when you speak in other tongues, you just yield to the utterance that comes up from the inside of you. And however it comes out, whatever it sounds like, that's what it is. Where did I get off on that? Hmm. We can see several times clearly throughout the book of Acts where people were filled with the Holy Ghost subsequent to salvation, after their salvation. Um, eight years after the day of Pentecost, we see Philip carrying the gospel to the people of Samaria. This is eight years after the day of Pentecost. Acts 8, 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one, one accord gave heed unto these things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and they that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. I bet there was. Glory to God. Skip down to verse 12 just for time's sake. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they believed and they were baptized. All right? Now that scripture helps us, or we're about to read how there, then after that, there came another experience, okay? Uh, there's more of him available than just that well of salvation, but in Mark 16, 15, he, Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The Bible says the Samaritans believed and they were baptized. So according to the uh, 
formula Jesus gave us, they were, they were born again. Right? Are you with me? Because they were baptized uh, and um, they believed. Uh, they believed and then they were baptized. All right? Acts 8, 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. All right. So, there is, so that is the first work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, after you, The first is being born again that we're going to talk about tonight. The first is being born again when he moves in and that well of salvation springs up. Uh, but then there is something that's coming after for these people. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard of the wonderful things God had done through Philip's ministry in Samaria, they sent Peter and John to lay hands on the new converts that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Acts 8, 14. Now, when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they come down, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, we know they're born again. The Bible clearly says when they received the word of God, Right? Then they laid their hands on them in verse 17, and they received the Holy Ghost. How many of you know under Philip, they believed, then under Peter and John, they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Two separate things. The one a little later than the other, all right? Believers in Cornelius' house, 10 years after the day of Pentecost, the word tells us about Peter going to Cornelius' house to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, Acts 10, 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Listen, they were freaked out. God had to tell Peter to go to Cornelius' house because he thought it was just for the Jews. But aren't you glad it broke out of the Jews and came to us Gentiles? Glory to God. And as Cornelius was hearing it, he believed it. He was chosen by God to be the first Gentile to hear the gospel because he was a good man who sought God and wanted to please him and gave much alms and supported the temple and, and he was just a good man. And the Bible says, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. And because of that, go send for Peter. Now he was the first Gentile born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. They were freaking out when they began to speak in other tongues. I tell you, aren't you glad it came to us Gentiles that we could speak with other tongues just the way that they did in Jerusalem. Glory to God. Reading the entire account of this, we see how an angel appeared to Cornelius and told him to send to Joppa and to inquire in the house of a certain individual for Simon Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Glory to God. Neither Cornelius nor his household were saved before Peter came and told them about Jesus. They were Jewish proselytes. 
How many of you know a person can't be saved without hearing the gospel? So they didn't know about Jesus. So Peter preached to them, and they believed while they were standing there and were born again as Peter preached. Then they received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues before he finished his message. Glory to God. Notice that it was the speaking with tongues which convinced Peter's company that these Gentiles had also received the Holy Spirit. The Jewish believers were astonished that God would do that for the Gentiles. Then 20 years after the day of Pentecost, Paul journeyed to Ephesus. And there he met some believers and introduced them to the person of the Holy Ghost. Acts 19.1. I'm trying to hurry. Acts 19.1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Ha, ha, ha. That's about as clear as you can get. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him who should come after. That's on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were then baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They said, Okay, if Jesus is the one John was talking about, I'm all in. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. You know, sometimes when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people in our day, in our society, and even sometimes in the church world think we're strange. We got like unicorn things growing out of our forehead. But how many of you know time after time, scripture after scripture, this was normal church in the book of Acts. This is how we began. This is how the church began. This is not something weird. This is not something only for fanatics. This is church 101. This is church 101. The Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and they all prophesied. Glory to God. These believers at Ephesus had never even heard about the Holy Ghost. But after they believed and hands were laid on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues, every one of them, without waiting, without praising, without tarrying. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, uh, you don't have to wait. I told you I grew up thinking you had to tarry and wait and, you know, months and months and seek the Lord. You don't have to. He is ready. He's ready when you're ready. Paul, who laid hands on these folks, was previously known as Saul of Tarsus. And the account of his experience of receiving the Holy Ghost is found in the ninth chapter of Acts. And I'm trying to hurry. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. How many of you know Saul was on his way and the Lord appeared to him, knocked him to the ground, he got up blind, and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, uh, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are uh, uh, 
persecuting. Thank you. I don't know why I started to say prophesying, and I knew that one right. Uh, he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. And he, he got up, and, and the other people heard the voice speak, but they didn't understand what he said. Well, how many of you know he got, Paul, he got Saul's attention? So Saul's off somewhere praying. Now Saul's blind. He can't even see. He got his attention. Uh, and I seen in a vision a man named Ananias, Saul, uh, blah, blah, uh, inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And I seen in a vision, verse 12, and uh, seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, um, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind or to arrest and to imprison all they that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. How many of you know he sowed a lot of suffering? And unfortunately, he reaped it throughout his life. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, he hath sent me that thou mayest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Why did he come? Two impartations, one of divine healing. One of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith. And he arose and was baptized. Saul, later known to be known as Paul, received the Holy Ghost immediately. He didn't tarry. He didn't wait. He received instantly. Now somebody might say, it doesn't say he spoke with tongues. But how many of you know that was one of the reasons Ananias was sent there? for healing and to get him filled with the Holy Ghost. And we know he did get filled because in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, it's, Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Now listen, he must have been from South Jerusalem because he said, I speak in tongues more than y'all. Sometimes Pastor Mark says that, I speak in tongues more than y'all. We'll be driving down the street and he'll take off in tongues and I'll say, yeah, that goes for me too. We're laying in bed at night, and I can hear him over there. Somebody, because I'm like, yeah, get him, get him. <laughs> Speaking with tongues is an initial supernatural sign or evidence of the Holy Spirit's indwelling. It is the beginning of it all. Pastor's been talking with us on Wednesday nights about praying in the Holy Spirit, and I wanted to back up and give you scriptural proof of this experience. Many times, most people were filled when a believer laid hands on them. Ananias did it with Paul, Acts 9, 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and putting his hands on him, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Ananias laid hands on him for both healing and to be filled. Paul did it at Ephesus, Acts 19.6. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. 
Peter and John did it in Samaria. We looked at these stories tonight. Acts 8, 17, then laid their, lay their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. How many of you know oftentimes it's imparted through the, through the laying on of hands? You know, um, I personally received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at a youth camp when I was in high school. And it's a really kind of a, an odd story. Only Rhonda would have this story. But um, uh, a girl in my, in my dorm, in my room, uh, we had several girls to a room and she was in my room and I didn't know her, but she said, I see in scriptures that if hands are laid on me, I can receive the Holy Ghost. Can you all, can you all lay hands on me? I believe if you'll lay hands on me, I'm going to get filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. Now, I'm not filled with the Holy Ghost yet. But all of us girls said, okay, we can lay hands on so all of us laid hands on her and began to pray. She took off in tongues, and when she took off in tongues, I took off in tongues. How many of you know in a certain crazy way we probably laid hands on each other? I don't know how that works. Or else I got some from the I laid hands on Lord. Lord came back. You know, I don't know. But anyway, that's how I got filled. I talked in tongues that night for the very first time in my life. I guess we laid hands on each other. I don't really know. Uh, but, but you don't have to have someone lay hands on you to be filled. But that's how it happens often. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.